I'm just going to quickly read something in Acts 17 where it says, Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. I think that's just a really good way to summarise, thinking critically, actually, that there's real wisdom in examining the scriptures and seeing if these things actually link up to the Bible. What does God say? God is our foundation. He is where we view the world from. He is a God of truth and therefore all truth comes from him. And so if he's given us the Bible, then we should be looking at the Bible for the real truth. and I am Anna and this week in case you haven't guessed from our title already we're going to be chatting about the books that we've read this month what we liked what we didn't like and whether we'd recommend them so let's kick off it's interesting that isn't it that when you listen to podcasts usually they start off like this week we've got this and that and the other but that will already be in the title how many people go oh oh, (laughs) right I'm gonna close my eyes I'm gonna click on a podcast and just randomly figure out what it is as we go along it's that's a really good point I just I've never really thought about that but it's the most normal thing in the world to be like this is what we're talking about you already know or even Uh, more the fact that we always read out the same introduction but we could uh well in fairness people this might be the first time people are listening to this podcast in which case, you're in for a treat. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very sorry. No, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, it's it's also, yeah, it's worth saying that today we are just doing our normal monthly rundown, but it seems like this month, kind of more than other months, we've come across more books than usual that we would need to read kind of almost like hypercritically in, mm. in some ways, not, not in a bad way, like in a way that's really good. Just being attentive to, uh, yeah, social differences, theological differences, and so there will be that kind of thing going through, and that's kind of how we've how we've decided to do this. So, on that note, the first book that we're going to be talking about is *The Count of Monte Cristo*. I really, really enjoyed this book. I listened to it on audio. It took me quite a long time to be honest. It's quite a long book. It was like about forty hours or something like that. So that was most of my month. It was just most of Wednesday, book. right? You're so cheeky. (laughs) Uh, I will mention this a few times, but actually listening to books is my preferred way of um, reading books. I know that sounds counter saying reading books is listening. But anyway, so it's written by the French author um, Alexandre Dumont. (laughs) Alexandre Dumont. I think it is. No, no, but you said Alexandre. Oh, yeah, you're right. Alexandre. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Well, it ends in a RE. So for all those sure. people, that's what it is. He also wrote The Three Musketeers. And this book was written in 1844. So, you know, a good few years old. It's also really worth noting that I, before I started, I just started reading this, right? But I realized half, well, maybe about two or three hours in that I really should have looked up what the historical context was because it threw me completely how political it was so if after hearing this you're like oh I think I want to give this a listen or read then look up what it is what's going on politically I'm just gonna give you a really really quick summary of it before you do that I just want to say that on top of that it's also worth saying that 
we've talked a lot about like Kuiper and Dutch theologians and whatnot, who were all responding to the French Revolution in one way or another, literally creating a party called the Anti-Revolutionary Party. This book will help you understand some of those nuances. Mm. And so talking about the political aspect of it, this would be a great place to start. Often we think that fiction can't teach us anything about history. Simply not true, Um, Mm. especially the books that were being written at the time. Anyway, sorry, continue. No, that's a really good point, actually. If you're going to come along with us doing Bavink, then maybe this would be quite a good book to read as well, just just for enjoyment, but also because it would be quite helpful to have some context. So I don't... I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not the most knowledgeable person on French history, but basically what happened is a French revolution happens. Now, it's worth saying that this isn't just one revolution. This is multiple wars over multiple years of going on happened against the front the french king napoleon takes charge you know loads of people get beheaded and all that type of stuff he conquers a lot of land and creates a french empire now it's worth saying he's actually very well loved by a lot of the commoners because of how um unequal it was before with the royalty he actually creates a lot of accessible education he has basic human rights and everything like that But then, after a few years, with military defeats looming, he abdicates the throne, well, his leadership, and goes back to a small island. And then, the next year comes, he goes back to France, rules against for a bit, and then gets beaten down again by Louis XVIII. I must admit, I always find it really funny that, like, (laughs) half the French royalty, if you want to have a guess about what the name is, it's just Louis. Um, But yes, so... That's a history. And that really confused me because it, with this book, it just suddenly starts with this and you have no idea what's happening if you don't know a bit about Napoleon and wars and all the monarchs and everything. So the main themes of this book, which I found really, really interesting, talked a lot about revenge and injustice. I actually found it brought up a lot of questions, as good books often do. Good books challenge, which a bit about what we're going to be talking about. Uh, critically good books challenge you and it makes you go oh this is how I view life is this how I should view life this character is doing something should I support him should I think he's wrong everything like that so I found that really helpful actually just and this is something I've actually been thinking about a lot over the past few weeks about actually what are my views of revenge and injustice and how do I compare that to the bible and what does God say about it do you have any thoughts, Han? No, I think that's fantastic. Yeah, we've talked about before how, for instance, in Pride and Prejudice, at the beginning of the book, you're given all of the ammunition you need to be prejudiced against Mr. Darcy, and then you essentially have to repent towards the end of your own prejudice and pride. Um, it's very similar in other books. Yeah, you get to go along with, mm. have those same questions that the person is wrestling with, and then... Yeah, figure out at the end, oh, wow, yeah, I actually went through a lot of those emotions, a lot of those thoughts, a lot of those questions. And the stakes are low in fiction. Mm. Like, if you think something wrong in fiction, then you can be like, oh, wow, yeah, oh, how wrong I was. Like, especially, like, if you think, like, like Sherlock Holmes or something like that, you think you know who it is the whole time, and then at the end, oh, it wasn't that person, it was somebody else, or something along those lines. But when it's more of a moral question especially with writers who are weaving 
like especially like Christian or maybe overtly non-Christian things into their books. Um, it's good to think, okay, how is this affecting me? How is this going to have an effect on my life going forward? Um, what did yeah. I learn? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's really um, helpful, especially actually within this book, because there's a lot of things where people take revenge, but actually often it then affects the other people around it. And so you end up questioning like, is it ever okay to take revenge? And what do we do about injustice? I think actually the best way to sum it up is actually to read one of the last sentences of the book, which I must admit, actually, this sentence is a sentence that actually made me read the book in the first place because I was like, this is so good. And he basically says, live then and be happy, beloved children of my heart. And never forget that until the day which God has designed to reveal the future to men, all human wisdom is summed up in these two words, wait and hope. And I thought that was really, really good because it just kind of sums up the whole book and it gave really good closure for myself actually reading the chapter, especially because it had taken me most of the month. But also I think actually it has a lot of uh, biblical ideas about actually where it talks about in Romans about actually not um, taking revenge but it's the Lord who aven avenges and actually how helpful that is for us to know actually waiting and hoping but that's not just some like throwaway words this is we're waiting on God and we're hoping on God knowing that he's the God of justice so I found that really helpful uh, a few more things I'm just going to really quickly say about the book if you are thinking of reading it practically speaking the way that I read it and that helped me looking back is I saw it split up into two parts so the first part is when you get introduced to all these characters and this is younger characters and then all this stuff happens and then you skip forwards a little bit and every it's gone to about 20 years or something like that and you get introduced to all the characters again but this time you're introduced to them and then like all their other families and children and everything else so it, I personally found it quite boring in the middle bit so at the beginning of the second part when it skipped to 20-ish years later because you're introduced to all these characters and they're all these added characters and they're all interlocking and I just got really lost. So I actually used Spark Notes for chapter summaries a few times if I felt like I didn't understand. Because sometimes you can read it, but you're like, I feel like there's so much more that they're saying that I just, I'm not getting the implication. So I found it was quite helpful to read the summaries to help me go, oh, that was why they said that. I would really recommend the book. I thought really good characters, a great storyline. It's very, very gripping. The only things I will say to be aware of is unfortunately the book does use the N-word a handful of times. Obviously, this is never acceptable to use. We do not at all condone it in any sense, but it just has to be mentioned. If you're going to read the book, be aware, because I had no idea and I was like, oh my goodness, really, really shocked me. Also worth saying, towards the middle bit, there is some talk about sexual assault. So if you're sensitive to that, maybe don't read it. But yeah, so that's all I'll say about that book. But overall, really loved it. Oh, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, really good summary. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading it. Thank you so much. Great. The next book we're going to talk about, we're not actually going to name. 
<laughs> so uh, essentially, as, as you'll probably be aware, um, we get sent books to review or I get sent books to review. Um, and on this occasion, I, I, I gave one of these books to Anna to read, uh, expecting it to be a book that, yep, maybe we'd have disagreements with on certain things, but that it would be a really, really fruitful book. And we came away quite just not quite sure what we were meant to do with it because <laughs> mm-hmm. there was just so much of it that was was really good and, and important, but in the midst of essentially a flood of very, very unhelpful things. Would you, would you say that's fair? Yeah, yeah. I think that that's a very helpful uh, explanation of that book. It's one of those books where... I guess had some really, really good points and I really enjoyed reading it. But at the same time, there were some things where actually I just ultimately had to disagree with the author's conclusions. I, yeah, I thought it was a shame, but it was one of those really difficult books where actually some of the points she's made were really, really good. But then some of the points she made was also so not good that I was mm. like, oh, I don't really know where I stand on this and how I, how I meant to feel or what I meant to yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. With that said, it, it's worth saying that we, we shouldn't always be reading books that either we know that we're going to agree with or that we feel we should agree with or, mm. and things like that. So we shouldn't always be picking up, for instance, just the next big Christian book from Timothy Keller. <laughs> or John Piper <laughs> or someone like that, because we think, ah, oh, well, this book is going to teach me to know that I'm right <laughs> and not challenge me and, and things like that. Um, but actually we should be reading books that mm. challenge us. And, and this book did challenge us in really good ways and really helpful ways. And actually those things that we disagreed on with the author, we would then be able to say, okay, that's actually helped me to understand where I'm coming from better. It's helped mm. me not to, straw man the the opposite view yeah yeah um when when you're reading a book that straw man's your own view you can get a bit worked up about it mm. sometimes you go no excuse me that's that's not what i believe <laughs> I, I that's not my position at all and so if that doesn't lead you to then go okay okay in that case when I come up against an opposing view, when I come up against a view that I don't agree with, am I going to learn as well as I can to describe that view and to explain that view as uh, charitably and as well, and in as much of a way as the person who holds it will agree that that is what they believe, or am I just going to do the same thing back? Mm. Like, I don't think, I don't think we'd want to be people that aren't. We've took as I say about Bovink and about how he was so wonderful at explaining other people's points that he would get letters from people who disagreed with him saying thank you so much for writing this <laughs> things like that. and you go wow that's that's really amazing I found myself not not in a book that we'll talk about here but in a book that I I reviewed this past Sunday, one of the writers in this book, it was like a, um, like a spectrum book where you get multiple views and they're, they're all arguing for their own views. And probably the author I agreed with the least wrote the most charitable 
essay mm. towards his peers. And I had to sit there and go, wow, okay, the, the person that is not like on my side of the argument, not even close, is like as far away as you could be, has written this thing. So I sent him an email just to say, look, I, I don't agree with you. I, I have disagreements with you, but thank you so much for writing this. How you wrote it, I think you did a really good job. And I think you argued your political point, uh, sorry, not political points, your theological points, <laughs> as well as you, uh, as well as possible, and also charitably argued mm. mine. So I, yeah, I just think that's important to recognize that when that happens. Um, yeah, I think it's really wise actually just being able to know why you disagree not mm. just because you've grown up with a specific view or a specific idea about the world or about the bible or theology or whatever it is but actually it this shouldn't just be something you've been told mm. you should be learning questions you should be asking more you should be pushing yourself and be like oh why is this actually something i i i, I think so like for example with the count of monte cristo like the good thing with with a good book is that it gets you to ask the why like why is revenge not okay or why am i angry with injustice or with this book or anything else it should we should be asking our why's because ultimately we are going to need to talk to people who don't believe in god and they're going to ask us our why's and if they ask us well why do you actually believe in god then it's no good you being like, oh, well, Jesus died on the cross for our sin. And blah, blah, blah. we need to be like, oh, what? But why is that? What, why do I actually care about it? Why do I do all these things mm. for God? And I think that is so much more of a better argument than just citing Sunday school things. We need to actually push into it and ask the difficult questions and God will meet us there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's also it's also worth saying that there are plenty of um, times when we might be better off reading something that isn't from a Christian author. Uh, for instance, I'm I'm currently doing a long study through Jude. Um, I'd love it if you would join us. Um, Is that not so, a Christian re- author? No, <laughs> <laughs> he was a Christian author, but I will tell you what he wasn't born Christian. Uh, none of us are. Some somebody who was born a Jew and then became a Christian. And so he utilizes a form of exegesis known as Midrash. He he basically writes what's called a Midrashim. And yeah, to learn about Midrash, to learn about how it works, to learn about how it's structured, how it was utilized. I'm reading principally Jewish authors, some of them Jewish Christian authors who were born Jews and have learned through Uh, Jewish schooling systems and things like that and then have become Christians but I'm reading principally their writings because they are the ones that understand this better and I'm even going back into pre-Christian texts in the second temple era to read other midrash or other Mm. midrashim which are helping me to understand that better and that's totally fine to do that's that's not a problem Mm. it is worth noting though to be fair at the same time do this with other people so just like with everything else it's really good to do this in a community and it's good to ask questions but also chat to other people around you and in your local church and friends who trust about it because the last thing I'd want you to do is to question all your beliefs and everything you've grown up with or everything that you've been told and then suddenly be like well I know nothing 
and I'm just going to read all these books that I disagree with. Do you see what I mean? Mm. Like do this with wisdom. We're not telling you just to scrap everything, but we're saying actually have a strong foundation about why you believe in this. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I don't like this term of deconstruction, but um, kind of a, a friend of mine, Rachel, on Twitter this week posted a tweet that said, does your deconstruction lead you to read the Bible less or read the Bible more? And actually, if if you really want to question your faith in a good way and a healthy way, let it lead you to read your Bible more, not to watch more TikTok mm. videos about not reading the Bible and things mm. like that. Does that make sense? And then also like allowing yourself that is okay to, to ask questions and to have doubts. That is absolutely normal. Everyone has it. Make sure you do it with wisdom and make sure you do it in a community. So just to end this off quickly, I'm just going to quickly read something in Acts 17 where it says, now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. I think that's just a really good way to summarize thinking critically, actually, that there's real wisdom in examining the scriptures and seeing if these things actually link up to the bible what does god say god is our foundation he's where we view the world from he is a god of truth and therefore all truth comes from him and so if he's given us the bible then we should be looking at the bible for the real truth so onto that Excellent. what is the book that you read the next book that we're going to be talking about is a book called the joy of hearing which is a book that I reviewed over on the Ravens writing desk and it was excellent. It's also by one of my favorite theologians ever, or at least Ooh. one of my favorite modern theologians. Controversial. Uh, we were, <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit. I know. I don't agree Let, with him on everything. And I don't. Let's hope Bavink isn't listening. Uh, I mean, <laughs> what else would Bavink been doing in history, in heaven rather, other than listening to this <laughs> podcast? Realistically, He's got all the time in heaven and <laughs> consider the Ravens would be what he's listening to. Um, but yeah, I, I've learned an awful lot from, from Dr. Schreiner, not just in terms of his theology, but also the way that he handles theological arguments, differences, challenges. I think he's absolutely wonderful. And I wrote an incredibly critical review of this book. Not because it was a bad book. In fact, again, I would probably agree with the vast majority of what he'd written, but because this book was on the book of Revelation. Ooh. Now, I, I don't know what <laughs> you have heard about Revelation, you listeners of various persuasions, I'm sure, whatever your, your thoughts are on the Mark of the Beast or the end times or amillennialism or postmillennialism or disco millennialism uh, whatever it's like <laughs> whatever it is that you think about revelation the reality is that this book has probably i think has probably been misused more than any other especially in the last two three hundred years and so my point on this book was that this is a book i would really recommend to you this is a book that i think people could learn a lot about revelation mm. through and because of that, you need to read it critically because this would be a really good book to read critically 
to assess its biblical claims and mm. then come back and go, yes, I, I think I think he's on solid ground here with a lot of these things. Because this is what we should be doing every time that we hear a claim from Revelation, when somebody comes or with... anywhere. Well, but well, yeah. specifically Revelation. Specifically genera- uh, Revelation, but yeah, yes, absolutely. Anything in the Bible, we should be reading that critically, but... But particularly this book, it, it's just so hard when <laughs> when so many people have views that that just seem to be completely out of left field. And so, yeah, my point was read this book. Here's some things about it that I didn't think were the best things in the world. Uh, I.e., I think Dr. Schreiner was uh, wasn't always clear when he was disagreeing with somebody's point or something like that and so I was like yeah great fantastic we can find this this thing in this book he is not infallible he is not the ultimate person to listen to I am not the ultimate person to listen to on revelation don't just read this book and pick it up and believe everything just because he said it or just because I've recommended it but read this book read it critically as you Mm. should with all other books about revelation and also other books Yeah, I think it's worth noting, actually, that with every book that you're going to read behind that book, crafting this whole story or learning or whatever it is, you're going to have an author that has its own unique experience, personality and aims of what their book wants to be. So whether it is fiction or nonfiction or whatever it is, I think it's really helpful to actually have an awareness of what the author is trying to bring across as well. I think Karen Swallow Pryor does this really well. She's done a few introductions to a few books and Frankenstein, she did an introduction then like did a whole conversation about it as well with all the different chapters. And she did that really well. I found that was really helpful Mm. with the book actually to understand what was the experience of Mary Shelley And how did that prompt her to write the book that she wrote? And what was the themes in the book that corresponded with her life and all the questions that that the book was raising up, how that affected how that was coming up because of all the questions that she Mm. had. So, yeah, it's just worth worth noting. We'll actually be talking to her in just a couple of weeks. We are both very excited. We are incredibly excited. (laughs) We'll try not to fangirl. Oh, I know. Right, huh? I, I, I know. I'm actively fangirl. Uh, <laughs> um, so yes. So the next book we're going to chat about is a book that I read this month. It's called "The Gospel Comes with a House Key." This is written by Rosaria Butterfield. She also wrote "The Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert." Now I haven't read that book yet, but the reason I started with this one, which was actually her second book, was simply because we're actually moving house in about a month or so. And one of my housemates has this book and I thought, hey, while I'm here for a month or so, let me really, really quickly read this. It's just worth time and money and everything. So because, you know, I'm sure if you guys are are listening to this podcast, you have bought a few books in your life and you know that books can be really expensive. So anyway, that's a whole other topic. I really like this book. I thought it was really, really good. She talks a lot about how... um, when she used to be in the LGBT community and how there was such a sense of hospitality and community within that and how almost from her experience of that and seeing how loving and welcome people can be, she wants to see that 
even more with the gospel and with Christians being like, look, they're doing this really well, but actually we can do it so much better because we have God and we actually have the hope and we have the joy and the genuine and the, and the love because of God with us. And so actually there is a sense of unity and there is a sense of, of just joy and hospitality that everyone should be showing. I found it really, really helpful, very inspiring hearing how she does it practically and also what the theological aspects are about it. One of the things I wanted to really quickly chat about that she mentioned, which I thought was a really, really good point, it's basically the idea of common grace, about knowing the difference between goodness and holiness and being aware that actually that with our neighbours and with the people that we spend our life with, that actually they can have goodness but that just because someone's good, that doesn't make them holy. And being able to know the difference and being able to appreciate where with common grace, God has allowed and given people the ability to be good and to show love to other people. But that doesn't mean that they're holy. That doesn't mean that they are pursuing God. It doesn't mean there's, there's godliness. Does that make sense? Did you want to try and explain that a bit? Because I feel like I didn't do an amazing job. No, I think you did a great job. <laughs> oh, in all oh, honesty, thanks, yeah. honey. that's cool. Um, <laughs> that's yeah, great. it's worth saying that. Yeah, there there are multiple communities that people will have come out of, especially like church planting around the world. It may be mm. that people get uh, born again out of being, yeah, like we mentioned before, LGBT, Muslim, Hindu, communist. <laughs> like political views, religious views, whatever it is, that there are various uh, ways that people may have been uh, brought up that actually they bring those in, they, mm. they bring those uh, experiences in with them. And although those views need to then be sanctified, like obviously there are things about every community that's going to not be good and every community that will be good. Um that that is yeah it's worth saying that just because somebody has an experience in a group that we would disagree with maybe largely disagree with um doesn't mean that their experience is is worth less and actually it may be that god has prepared them for such a time mm. as as we're in now through um through a time that was different to them where we like we know of people throughout the bible so i think like daniel or shadrach meshach and abednego um crikey those are hard right, names to pack. say uh, no, right, right, shack no and what did i say right shack and benny yeah that was yeah, it yeah. um uh who yeah were, were basically brought up and and uh, served as as slaves and um and whatnot in in a very bad <laughs> a very bad time uh, but god used them for for his goodness and his glory um mm. and so yeah we need to keep our eyes on that um as best as we can I agree. And so last book, what is it, hun? The last book is called The Scandal of Holiness. Now, I won't spend a lot of time on this. But again, this was, I, most of the reviews I write are, are critical to some extent, but in a good way. Because you're mean. But, not because I'm mean, <laughs> but because I, I want people to read things critically and I want mm. people to know why they should be reading something, not just that they should be reading something. Scandal of Holiness was fantastic. Jessica Hooten Wilson is, uh, knows an awful lot about the subject she's talking about specifically uh reading literature in a sanctified way essentially Ooh. yeah 
mm. being sanctified by reading literature, which is something we would highly affirm. We've talked about many times on this mm. podcast alone. Um, I think she probably assumed that people would have read a lot of books that maybe they hadn't um, and gives a lot of spoilers for those books. as so though there were times <laughs> oh, where no. I had to find myself going, okay, I'm just not going to be able to read the rest of this chapter because she sold me that I should read this book. I don't want to keep reading this chapter. I need to go away and read that book. So there were a couple of occasions <laughs> like that. Um, but generally speaking, she did a great job. That said, if you're willing to put the time in, if you're willing to put the effort in to learn how to read books critically, and if you're willing to read a couple of other books alongside that, this book is one that I'd recommend. It's just going to take you a bit of effort, probably. Um, it's it's not an easy book. It looks like one that cover is one of the most beautiful covers I've seen in a in a while um but it's written in quite a uh difficult way to understand but it will definitely teach you basically exactly what we've been talking about today on that note thank you very much for listening everyone this is the books that we have read this month we would love to hear what books you have read uh, whether you have read in any of the books that we've recommended whether there's any books that you would recommend to us basically we love books so chat to us on our social medias so that said onto our social medias very great tangent we have instagram and twitter so you can follow us there just type in the search bar you know consider the ravens and it'll probably come up <laughs> i'd imagine <laughs> this is really In technical you, um, it's really technical but you know it's one of those things as a title you'll get the main yeah. gist it's got some birds on yeah be fine. best place to find us is spotify though oh y- yes because on spotify you can spotify <laughs> on spotify you can Fly to be fair if you're listening to this you, you probably are, are listening to this on Spotify, in fairness. So, but what you can do is you can click that button that says subscribe, and then underneath you can give us five stars. I don't think does it say subscribe on Spotify or is it just follow? I think it's just follow. You can just follow us on Spotify, sure. which I feel like it's way more creepier. Anyway, so um, we, yeah. we've talked way too long about social medias. <laughs> Give us a follow, please. It would make us happy. Next up is Adsom's blog. He does a Raven's writing desk. If you really enjoy this type of thing when we're talking about the books we've read, talking about being uh, critical when we read books, then Adsom's is a very good blog to read. Very enjoyable, quite funny. Um, only quite funny. No, just, just, just slightly funny. <laughs> very enjoyable. I found I found it very helpful. Obviously, I am biased, but I found it helpful. Next week's episode is uh, an interview that we did with a friend of mine called Benjamin Verbacek. He is the uh, head editor at Gospel Centered Discipleship, um, and it's just a wonderful conversation. He's written some really amazing books, and we'll be mm. focusing kind of on the flip side of this we often talk about literature reading this will be the first time that we are talking about literature writing and so um, if you're a writer out there i hope this will be incredibly helpful for you all right thank you very much everyone have a lovely rest of the day and we will speak to you soon grace and peace grace and peace it sounded like you said grace and peace